How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Oh, I'll tell you what, dude. I no, thank you so much for putting out this book because I don't understand what's been going on. I need someone like you <laughs> to write a book where I can patiently just go from paragraph to paragraph and get a bigger understanding of what is going on. Yeah, I mean, it's complete insanity. Uh, I think that Elon has not only broken Twitter, but Twitter has broken Elon. And we're at a place now where the site has become an outrage engine. It's all about anger and craziness. And there's there's very little truth there, um, which is exactly the opposite of what his goal was when he took over the site. I'll tell you what, you and I have gone through that evolution because I remember when everybody was so proud of being on Twitter and they were sharing messages. Well, nowadays, even when I'm talking with rock stars and I go, are you, are you up on X? No. No. And it's like, yeah. oh, my God, they, they really are falling off. I mean, uh, Elon came in because he believed that the site was over moderated, which, which it was to some extent. He believed it was being taken over by this woke mind virus. That's mm -hmm. how he described it. And that he would fix it and make it a place for free speech and truth. The reality is it, it went down very fast. <laughs> and at this point, he chased off everybody who had a reasonable point of view <laughs> and and he, he promoted and then created a promotional system that promotes negative stuff, outrage, anger, and engagement. Um, so regular people and people, uh, journalists, musicians, celebrities, they all ran for the hills um, and it's what's left is is sort of a pale shadow of what it was. And yet Zuckerberg had to create something that was like it. It's like, okay, what Mark, what, what yeah. were you seeing that we didn't see and why do you think we needed something like that? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the threads idea, it, it, it just, it was not well done. It, it, at first I thought, okay, here's, here's a chance um, for something to clone it. Because honestly, Twitter before Elon was, was really great. It had its faults, mm -hmm. but it certainly was a place that you could go to and have a conversation and learn something and know that the person you were talking to actually had some level of knowledge about the thing they were talking about. The problem with threads was it just didn't have, you know, usability and it didn't have enough people. I mean, it's still there. Um, but even Zuckerberg doesn't really use it. <laughs> so, oh I mean, God. it's 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 just not it's we need a new Twitter or we need Elon to fix and step away from what he did, um, which seems unlikely at this point. Well, Ben, you should probably know this as well. Even MySpace is still there, but nobody's using it. <laughs> I love MySpace. Uh, MySpace is great. I think they should go back to it. Um, yeah, I think uh, it still exists somewhere. But, you know, I mean, I'm, honestly, the direction that Twitter is going, it's going to end up like MySpace. And it's uh, I think Elon really thought he could engineer free speech, that it was something you could fix like you were fixing a rocket. And it, it very quickly turned out that he couldn't. And then he got so much pushback for the first time in his life. You know, people hated him. People yeah. disdain him. People don't like Elon anymore. And that shocked him and sort of spent him on this weird emotional spiral. But I was, as a broadcaster and as a journalist, very inspired when Elon did the moment with, with DeSantis. No, it was not perfect. No, it, you know, right. you know, and people aren't really talking about it today. But it was still an opportunity to do something that wasn't being done. Yeah, it was great until he fired all the engineers and it couldn't actually stay online. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree that what he's trying to do with spaces, what he's been doing with journalism, there's something really good in that. I mean, I mean, there is something he could get going there. The problem is, is that he is so uh, his own worst enemy yeah. um, that he's allowed so much crap on there that all the advertisers went away. And because of that, there's no revenue. So the only way to make revenue is a subscription situation. And then he uses the subscription to boost your post. So suddenly you're paying eight bucks to have whatever garbage you spew move up on the list, right? And get higher and higher into engagement. Um, so this creates a system where it's not about 
telling the truth or doing something great. It was it was on X. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, and that's what he wants. He's pushing us towards that um, because he needs to make revenue now, and and that's a self-inflicted wound because its revenue was actually fine before it had advertising. Now it doesn't have advertising, um, and so. It's a big mess. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I think the truth of where we are in this place in, in tech, technology history is the fact even Disney Plus isn't making money. And we've got to figure out how, how do we get people who've, who are so used to getting things free to start paying for stuff, even as a podcaster. You know, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's it's a journey. Yeah. I mean, we all love free and, and the Internet as it started was doing, you know, free, free, free advertising will be the model. And the reality was advertising didn't really work great on the internet ever uh, because everybody just sees advertising as something you want to avoid. <laughs> you know, you don't click on anything because if you do, it's always a mistake. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the system is, but I do think that subscription is not the way to free speech. Um, you know, uh, Twitter is something that probably may never be really profitable if it mm. works correctly, mm. um, and which is an issue. But um, but I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I do think before he took over, it was really close to break even, and now it's worth half of what he bought it at a year ago. The book we're talking about is Breaking Twitter. Here's the part that I, I've been waiting for for a very long time. With Twitter being broken, now being X, as that broadcaster and journalist, I'm sitting back watching to find out what's going to happen the closer and closer we get to that presidential election. Because if it's oh broken... Oh my God, it's going to be a mess. Dude, yeah. oh my God, is right. It's going to be a mess. It's First of all, it's full of bots. It's filled with AI that is almost indistinguishable from people and will be within a year. Um, it's it's full of anger and outrage and hate and and it's a disaster. Um, yeah, it's going to be really really ugly. And I, I'm not so sure you know how one can rein that in. Uh, the amount of disinformation and the amount of sort of just pure fakeness that's going to be flying around over the next year. It's a really scary thing, and it plays into the strengths of people who are. Um, you know, not necessarily the best for the country. <laughs> it plays into the strengths of people who can make noise. I mean, that's the most important thing is breaking through and making noise. And that's not really how you should be choosing the leader of your country. Um, but anyways, that's my opinion. Everyone has their own opinion. They can just throw it up there next. Um, there's no moderation, so you can say what you want. <laughs> so true. So true. Oh, my God. I mean, the yeah. freedom of speech is there. But see, that even as a podcaster, you have to sit there and wonder how much time do we have left in order to have that freedom of speech? I mean, you know, freedom of speech is wonderful until you realize that, you know, so many people on the Internet are teenagers in their basement. <laughs> I have a teenager at home and you don't want him to have free speech. <laughs> I promise you that. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you need free speech, but you need guardrails. If you don't have guardrails, it just turns into disaster every time. Remote working. Did that injure Twitter? Because, I mean, they, they got really tough on these these experts that were at home with doing, you know, doing their work. You know, listen, let's be fair. Twitter before Elon was a was a bloated company. It had 7,500 employees, many of whom, you know, didn't work in the company. And the biggest sort of anger they got was when they took the smoothie bar away. <laughs> you know, it was, it was not a company run by hard hitters. You know, there were some brilliant people in there, but it was bloated. Um, and uh, remote work is an interesting thing. We all fell in love with it during COVID because we didn't have to go anywhere. And it was, you know, it was, it was nice. I mean, as an author, I been doing that my whole life and there's something really wonderful about it there are certain businesses that probably should not be remote um elon's fighting a war against it he really thinks everyone should go back to work yeah. um and that's something people can debate you know there are pros and cons to 
to it um, in, in different ways. But I do think Twitter had an issue with way too many employees, for sure. Yeah, I've been a part of those broadcast companies where we had way too much, but now there's not enough there and people are going, ah, I'm not interested. And it's like, oh, God, how are we going to survive then? Yeah, I mean, he dug way too deep and he cut way too many people um, to the point where, you know, certain things don't work <laughs> anymore, um, which is problematic. Um, yeah, there's a happy medium. You've got to find a, a place. Um, you know, you don't want to have too many employees, but you want to have enough to make it keep going. Let's talk about that blue check system. I, I don't know why I never went hunting down for that thing. Maybe it's because I'm going, why do I need it? Why do I need it? Why do I need it? So but then but it was such an issue for people to have to pay for that blue check. Well, I mean, it was a disaster. Right? There's a, uh, a scene in the book about how it all came about, and it was a total disaster because the idea was that it had become this sort of class system. Mm -hmm. But what it was attempting to do was create some sort of vetting where you knew the person talking about something had some knowledge of that thing. Um, so you knew that you know maybe this guy talking is an actual expert on, on flight or an expert engineer or a famous person or a journalist or a politician. But now it's someone who paid eight bucks. Yep. And the problem was not only did he pay eight bucks, but now he's getting boosted. <laughs> so most of what you see are random people throwing up things as if they know what they're talking about when really they just paid eight dollars for a blue check. Um, you can't just look at a comment now and say, OK, this is probably true or this is probably coming from a place of knowledge or this is an opinion of someone who, you know, has a voice that I might want to hear. Instead, you just see random stuff all over the place. It was a really big mistake, and there needs to be some system of vetting people. Um, if you really want to be a, have a site about truth or about, you know, useful, if you want to have a useful site, there has to be some level of vetting. I got to be honest with you. I still think that one of the greatest moments in, in my life was watching Elon Musk walk into Twitter with a, with a kitchen sink. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's like it's like that guy's got some guts, man. He's going in there to make yeah, a I mean, statement. He's, he's really entertaining, and he's he's someone who is you know you kind of want to succeed. And when he came in those front doors, he, he's he's funny, he's interesting. You kind of want that. But then he's the same guy retweeting conspiracy theories and 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 anti-Semitic comment and this and that, and it, it goes off the rails because you can't har harness that. So there's there's really two Elons and, and the Elon that's come out the other side of this situation is is ruining his own reputation. Um, and and that's troublesome. But, yeah, I liked it when it came in. I was a big fan and I wanted him to sort of fix what was wrong with Twitter. Um, but but he just trashed it. Whether you like him or hate him, the same thing with Donald Trump, like him or hate him for some reason, we still read the stories. I mean, well, I've got to go there and find out what's yeah. up now. I mean, there's massive amounts of charisma in both of them. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's they're loud. They're megaphones. <laughs> they're people who are going to pull all the eyes towards them, um, which is great for entertainment, but may not be so great <laughs> for other things. It's like when I get on an airplane, I really don't want the pilot to be super funny. <laughs> I, want, I want him to fly the plane. And that, that worries me a little bit. Uh, yeah. Is there a side of your research that is showcasing that Elon is prepping himself to take over another global icon? of some sort because the guy loves to spend his money i mean he is whimsical so every now and then he jokes about taking over this company or that company mm -hmm. um i really think that this was a huge failure and he knows it i think he's definitely affected by this situation um because he went from being beloved by the entire country yep. to being hated by half the country and he's he's really destroyed his reputation in a way that he knows he feels it um and i think that he'll 
be more careful in the future about what he buys. Yeah, but see, I'll tell you one of the, 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 the why I forgive him all the time is because look at what he's doing with space. It's, that's that's automatic forgive. Elon does something wrong. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's got he's up in space. I gotta love him. And that's the Elon I love. If Elon yeah. could walk away from Twitter and be the Elon of SpaceX, um, you know, when he launched that Starship, that's a big scene in the book, and you had this rocket, um, you know, make it off the pad and then blow up. Uh, every headline was Elon fails, failure, explosion. The reality is this was an amazing step forward. And had he not bought Twitter, all of the media would have been like a first step towards Mars. Yeah. That would have been every headline. And instead, he's just derided. And it's it's his own doing. How close did you get to the people that are watching those numbers? Because I know what it's like to be in radio with the numbers as well as a podcaster. And you get so addicted to checking on the numbers. He seems to be the same kind of a person. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, got deep inside and I had people on both sides of uh, as sources. And and the thing is, is that uh, the, the scoreboard is very important to Elon. Um, and he came in, chased all the advertisers away. So suddenly Twitter had no revenue. Um, and that was very important to him to try and find a way for it to make money. Not because he needs money. The guy has you know infinite amount of money. He's the richest man in the world. But because he set Twitter up um, – as something that needed to be profitable because of the way he bought it. There's so many banks involved. There's debt uh, to be paid down. And uh, unfortunately, by chasing the advertisers away, it forced him into a subscription model. Mm -hmm. And the subscription model is just you know something nobody wants to pay for Twitter. And also, if you pay to play, it's not about freedom of speech anymore. So it it's at odds with his stated goal. Yeah. I mean, he surrounded himself with people that dealt with real honest to God advertising. But I still believe that most advertisers have no freaking clue how to measure their presence on something like X. And, 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 it, it, and I still think we're maybe 10 years away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that uh, anybody understands how advertising works on online at all. Um, and I think that, you know, there's there's there's, you know, models about what works and what doesn't work. But the reality is no advertiser wants to have a, an ad right next to a, a hate-filled comment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's a tough road. If you want freedom of speech, you need to find a way to protect the advertising if that's how you're going to you know make your money. Now, what did you learn? Because, I mean, you didn't go into this project saying, I, I know it all. You went in there as a student. No. No, and I was a huge fan of Elon. I came in it yeah. really thinking that he's, you know, the, the, the next second coming of Edison or Einstein or something like yep. that. Yep. I learned, you know, first of all, that how complicated it is to run a site like Twitter, <laughs> um, which is much more complex than building a rocket ship. And the other thing is that he, a lot of the stories in there I really hadn't heard before about how he, he reached a point of uh, such a low point after he tweeted that poll saying, you know, should I stay CEO? And he was shocked when when people said no, because <laughs> he really fully expected everyone to say, of course you should. And he locked himself in a conference room. He got so upset that the people outside in the Twitter people were so concerned they were going to call the San Francisco police and call in a wellness check on him. I mean, this is a guy who was truly affected by the negative feelings towards him. Um, and it's just it's a very dramatic story. Have you ever sat down and had a conversation? And, and if, if it ever happened with me, I, I would I would be I'd call him out if he was starting to use hidden speak with me. In other words, talking well above my head, I'd say, dude, come down here. You got to come down here if you're going to have a conversation <laughs> with me. I mean, do, is that a dream of yeah. yours to talk with him? I mean, I've, I've interacted with Elon before, um, but I haven't, you know, didn't interview him for this book. He didn't want to sit down and talk to me. Um, uh, I, you know, I would love to talk to Elon. I, I think we have a lot in common, mm -hmm. um, but I also think he's a guy who would very 
very much act uh, angrily. <laughs> he would definitely <laughs> not like, he doesn't want you to read this book. Let's put it that way. Breaking <laughs> Twitter is not the book Elon wants you to read. And listen, I've dealt with, you know, Zuckerberg with the Facebook story, yeah. which became the social network. I've, date with some, I've dealt with some really, really big people like that before. And in the end, if they can't control what you're going to say, um, they have to attack you. Did anybody approach you saying, dude, come on now, Ben, don't, don't be putting this in the book. We don't need to know this about Twitter. Well, not really. I mean, for the most part, uh, most of the people I talked to wanted to tell stories really? because there's so many stories and it's such an absurd situation. And there's really some great stories in the book that haven't been out there yet. Um, just, just wildness. And I think that um, people want to tell stories. I never really had problem getting sources for any of my books. Yeah. Um, people want to be in the movies, you know? <laughs> and so it feels like their life should be a movie. And so it's, it's, it's often easy to find sources. Well, I'll never forget when Twitter came into play. One of my very good friends, Nathan Ritchie, was saying, look, but if you're going to go onto Twitter, you have to learn Twitter speak. You have to, uh, you have to speak the language mm -hmm. of those that are using it. I'm not seeing Twitter speak being used as much as it was in the very beginning. No, no, it's been overrun by teenagers. It's 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 all garbage now. Um, and 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 the people that he's pushed to the top, either through the eight dollar payment or because he just befriends them and retweets them, are really some really awful voices. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Twitter is dominated now by a, a certain form of speech that's all guaranteed to make people upset or to ask questions so that you respond because it's an engagement engine. You make money by getting engagement. Um, it's almost like Buzzfeed, you know, it used to be, it's like the 10 greatest things that do this, or why wouldn't we do this? It's not, it's no longer a way to, to converse with people and meet people. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but on old Twitter, you could go on there and suddenly be in a conversation with some celebrity yep, or some, yep. you know, rock star or some whatever. And that's not the case anymore at all. Wow. And, you know, a piece of Twitter history that I wish that people would somehow remember. I mean, it's strength. It's one time strength and it's continued strength is what happened with Omar Gaddafi. I mean, Twitter was being used. That's how people were communicating yeah. in that country. A hundred percent. I mean, that I mean, you know, you saw it in Egypt. You saw it with that. You saw it when a hurricane happened. You'd have yes. all people saying, I'm safe. Come save me. I'm on this building right here. And now if someone said that, you'd say, oh, that's not a real person. That's it. That's it. <laughs> right? You'd say, you'd say that's some joke. And and that's a real problem. I mean, it's it's a kind of a it, – it took away something that we all used and we all loved. And there's still half the country that loves it because they, they want to say what they want to say, um, but it really lost something. Yeah. Where can people go to find out more about you and to find out more about this story? Yeah, well, the book is everywhere. It's called Breaking Twitter. It's in all the stores right now. Um, you can get it on Amazon. And I'm on X, Ben Mesrick on X. Come find me and yell at me. I'm happy happy to have people yell at me, which is what it's all about. And I'm on Instagram at Ben Mesrick as well and pretty much anywhere. You can find me on the streets of Boston just walking around. I love it. Man, this was like a conversation about living in the past, but at the same time, my, my feet are still reaching for the stars, like Casey Kasem would say. <laughs> exactly. I haven't given up. I'm still, I'm still optimistic. Well, you be brilliant today, okay, sir? All right, you too. Thank you.